Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game? Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. Hello, bonjour, hola. This is Lucy, and I just want to thank you guys so, so much for continuing to listen and support this podcast. I was recently at another convention, WPPI, and it was so awesome to meet people that have been listening and sharing what they value. So keep it coming. And I also have a great big announcement that I just finally launched my self-study online course called the Profitable Photographer Sales Academy. And if you'd like to know more, just go to lucydumascoaching.com and click on the tab classes. We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. And that's by Winston Churchill. So you are really in for a treat today. My guest, Jeff Dachowski, I've finally figured out how to properly say his name, <laughs> is an award-winning master craftsman photographer. He has owned a highly profitable studio in New Hampshire since 2003. He's a member of PPA's board of director, an internationally approved juror, a certification judge, and even has Vatican approval for photography. He is award-winning, and the awards are too long to list, but you can go to his website, and you'll be way impressed. <laughs> he is also president of the Society of 25. Did I get that right, Jeff? Yeah, the Society of 25. I'm actually the immediate past president, because uh, Allison Tyler-Jones is now the president, but yeah, I did for a couple of years of my, my service in that group. Pretty neat little group there. Great. So, welcome, Jeff. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. And having both of us just returned from the, the PPA Imaging Expo in Nashville this year, I think we're probably both a little tired and a little excited would, or a little inspired. Would you say, what would your words be? Absolutely. I, I'm always like on that point of every time I come home from IUSA, I'm always like, really pumped and wiped all wraps into one and i have to catch myself or make sure that i catch up with my sleep you know because i need it because i need all the beauty sleep i can get but beyond <laughs> that i also need to i need to get started on my business this year again because everything almost kind of waits in a with bated breath to what we're going to like pick up from imaging usa every year and it always plays a big role in our in the future so in the first couple weeks of the year waiting for imaging we don't frequently make a bunch of big decisions in our business. We tend to say, let's see what we pick up here. And so now we're like, okay, it's ready to get going. We, we see what we, we, we were supposed to see and we're ready to make some of the decisions for 2020. I mean, we, we forecast, of course, and we've got a plan, but there's some, some kind of some a software solution you're looking for or a product solution, or maybe there's a new idea that you haven't thought of yet that you haven't uh, planned out. All those things are things that all great reasons to go to Imaging USA. So did you come away with a few things that you care to share? Well, we, uh, we've we been doing these artist projects. Uh, this last year, we did an art, artist project 
that was all involving pets. And so in the course of the beginning part of this year, we started working on another project involving veterans. And so we'll be doing another book of just veterans here in our community. And we talked to a couple of people about how to best get that out into the community. Being that it's a, a volunteer book, this particular book is volunteer, we started talking about ways in which we can get into the hands of the families of veterans as well as maybe become those veterans' families photographers. And so I picked a couple of things up like that, talked to a couple of vendors who will likely be involved in building those books for us, and then looked at a lot of lighting and stuff. I went to the, the print show and, and said, what, what, what moved me photographically? What moved me creatively? You know, what, how do I want to approach this? Now, our look is pretty much the look all the time. Like we, we were very consistent and most of our studio photography looks like our other studio photography. But a couple pieces stood out this year that I thought were really cool. So I'm excited to get kind of dive into this project and get going. And then of course we plan our year out to be a lot more intentional with it for our family portraits this year. We're going to spend more time and more effort kind of planning our marketing for those families this year as they're, we love photographing families and it's our most profitable segment of our business. Sure. Same with me. Do you mostly do studio, Jeff? No, actually, we do a lot of both because we're, you know, you're in San Diego and I'm in New Hampshire. So right now it's like 31 degrees. And unless you want you know, snowy portraits, there's very little things we can do outside. And I know, Lucy, your forecast for today is 77 with a light no, no. Piece, right? Like, it's, fi- it's 50 outside today. Oh, oh, it's 50. You poor yeah. thing. That's terrible. At night. <laughs> in New Hampshire, when it's 50, we put on shorts and a t-shirt and we're like, oh my God, it's beautiful out here. It's so nice out. Yeah. You know, so we, our clients don't get photographed a lot in the winter. So they're always inside. For the, the artist projects, one of the reasons I do inside is because it's so easily replicatable. You know, I can, I can get a the similar look, whether it's at eight o'clock in the morning for a session or 10 o'clock at night, you know, and we want that consistent look a cohesive feel creatively-wise across the images. That makes a lot of sense. We're we're known for a lot of beach portraits and mountain portraits, and we travel all over the country making family portraits, so it's kind of cool. Yeah. So you and I have known each other for a few years, maybe four or five through Facebook groups, and then met and, you know, sort of chit-chatted at PPA. But I don't feel that I know much about your story. And so I would like specifically to know your why in terms of photography. And then I'll ask you another another question about your story. So what is your reason? What's your why behind being a photographer, having your business? You know, I remember the, the very first time the magic that happened to printing an eight head in the Derek Room in high school. And when I was asked in seventh and eighth grade, what are you going to do? I could, I had a chance to choose an elective and I chose photography. And I immediately at eighth grade said, that's what I want to do. I want to be involved in that. Mm. And what's crazy is that what my why has changed, right? Like, I mean, it kind of should change every, every couple of years. Your why starts off by saying, I just want to do something fun like this. That's what you open your business at. And then your why becomes, I just want to be able to pay, have enough money to get through. Mm-hmm. And buy groceries, you know, and then your wife becomes, I just want to be able to get my kids through private school and then through college. And then, you know, the, your wife kind of changed throughout the whole course of your world. Like for me, it's always about trying to provide for my family in a way 
with the talent that I've been blessed with. And I don't mean that in an arrogant way. I mean, God's given me a personality that allows me to talk to people and, and a joy of speaking with people. And then I'm tied very emotionally to the legacy and the ability for these these items, these portraits, these memories to be carried down to other people down the road. Right. When I look at portraits that are older portraits, and I think that, you know, someone says that's my great, great grandmother. They never met them, but easily could have been purchased at a Goodwill store. Yeah. Because it's a, an image of their great, great grandmother. It carries so much emotional weight and that touches my heart in, in a deep way. And gosh, that's what I want to be involved in. Yes. So you and I share share that passion. I was packing my mom's house up to move her to a boarding care. And I found a tintype at the bottom of a box that I assume was my grandmother's that, you know, my mom and dad were only children. So all photographs filtered to them. Right. The tintype, would that have been like 1880, something like that? I'm thinking, you know, when I think about the history of tintypes. Yeah. That, that sounds close. It's a beautiful picture. I mean, it's it's impeccable today. And my sister does not look like the rest of the family. Hmm. She and her daughter and her granddaughter look like the woman in this tintype from 1880. Crazy. Brings me so much joy to see that. To know she's not adopted. Just kidding. <laughs> but look, <laughs> you've met me. I'm in no way, you know, thin. <laughs> And, you know, I'm not enormous. I'm, you know, but it's, but I, let's see, it's called the ecto, no, endomorph. Anyway, my sister is half my size. We're the same height. She's thin. She's fair. She's blonde. She has very different features, but she resembles this woman. Yeah. So I, that why you and I share, and I imagine you have stories like that as well about you know, photos that mean a lot to you. So I want to ask you just a simple question about what was your first year in business like? Not just how you started, but kind of what you did in that first year. So we opened our studio in pretty much June of 2003 as the Chowski Photography. And uh, I think we did $27,000 in sales in that first half year. Wow. We rented the space and we were scared to death. And my wife guided me along some of the ways for the branding. I would have set that thing up like a pool hall, you know, because I had no idea what I was doing at all, you know. And my wife said, no, we got to do this. That No mom is going to come up these stairs with those beer bottles and with their baby. Like, you need, we need to choose a different spot. I was scared to death. And uh, our first year, I think we did 27000 The first was to half a year. Man, our studio was sparse. We had the get everyone in, all our friends and family to come in and help us fill our walls. Because we had no clients, zero clients. It's the absolute, you know, every time I teach you at state level, I say, don't do this. <laughs> don't open your studio and then figure out your business. You know, like we, which is what we did. You know, we did everything, everything wrong in the beginning you can imagine. Or I'm sure there's probably some other things we did wrong that we haven't even thought of yet. <laughs> well, except Jeff, there are lots of people who would consider they'd be very grateful to bring in $27,000 in sales that have not done that and have been in business quite a few years. So how did you get that many clients in half a year? Well, I would, I would back that up and say $27,000 in sales doesn't mean that there's any profit at no. all. <laughs> so to just bring, you know, the idea of, of taking $10 and handing back nine and a half, 
is not a, a, a pathway that I would ever, you know, encourage anyone to follow, which is what we were on. You know, our eight by tens were twenty dollars. Mm-hmm. And I remember I remember going to um Imaging USA was in Las Vegas that year. Last time we had it in Las Vegas that I was in Santa and Tisdale's and Tisdale's class and I raised my hand asked her a question. She said, Well, what are your eight by tens? Twenty dollars? And I was like, <laughs> No. <laughs> they were 21 so I wasn't lying to her you know but I just about like I melted through the chair into a puddle of embarrassment and and uh it was at that day Carol and I were both in the same class I was like okay oh okay I mean this is just ridiculous like obviously we can't make any money at this if we're selling prints at 20 dollars we just can't so for us we we, we had created a, a bit of a following through our friends and family and they knew us but we were so cheap that people were like well he's cheap so let's go there and um and so we, we did okay. I mean, I, we made money. We, we paid our bills and all that sort of thing. But we certainly had uh, a little bit of money saved up to weather any storms. But it wasn't until really the, the summer of 2004, like our first year in business, that well, that year imagings were held in the summer, in July, I believe. Yes, good old And day. it was in Las Vegas. Nice, uh, cool Las Vegas in so July. So <laughs> And we, yeah, exactly. So in that spring, Carol said, we have to go to this. We have to go to this. They have the information and we need it. And we need to just pony it up and go. And we got, we went and it literally changed our lives. Like completely, you know, PBA has changed my life and everything I can offer for my family and my kids and my relationships and my, all my, the friendships I've had. It's just outrageous. And I'm not saying that PBA is perfect. That's not at all what I mean, but they were perfect for me. Mm-hmm. And it allowed me to uh, to do a lot. And so I'm all, every time PPA asks me to do something, the answer is always, of course, yes, I'd be happy to. Because without the work of them, there is no Tchaikovsky photography. Mm. So I love you saying that. And when I think of you, as I mentioned before we started recording, I kind of think of you as the model, not the model, but the quintessential volunteer in this industry. And especially in PPA, you're on the board of directors, you judge, you're like me, you're in Facebook groups, supporting people. So how do you feel being of service grows your business success? I know there's that great satisfaction, you know, whenever we're giving and we're serving, but I'd love to know, and maybe even like three or four reasons why you feel your business is more successful and profitable because of what you give to the industry? Well, I remember, you know, I was not a member of our state originally. Like initially, I was a PPA member nationally before I became a member of our state. And I had to take a certification class, uh, not a class, uh, the certification test was held in New Hampshire. And I remember very well the day I went to go take my class. It was a two-hour drive, which is almost the whole length of the darn state. New Hampshire is small. It's, a, it's like recently carpeted. It's a pretty small state, you know. <laughs> and, uh, carpeted. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was a two-hour drive north. And uh, I went up there, and while I was waiting, I watched photographic competition for the first time ever. And as I was watching, I thought, oh, those are, these are cool images. Like, these are, remind me of some of my work. And it, that wasn't, again, an arrogant thing. It was just like, I do work that look kind of like this. I should maybe do this one day. That was really cool. I remember very well Don Chick from New Hampshire invited me to just go sit in there. He was the proctoring exam. And that was my introduction to the state level. And also my introduction to all volunteerism, really, within the photographic industry, because there was people running the print crew, 
and people were in the convention. I didn't attend the convention beyond the CPP class. I passed the test and went home and, and that was it. Well, fast forward, I said, I really should check out this group. I should know about this. And then they asked me to bring a judge, a judge up, and her name was Sarah Johnston. And, uh, and they said, well, you should, you should pick her up at the airport because then you get a whole couple hours driving with her. Yeah. And you can pick her brain. And I thought, well, that's really interesting. I should talk. I should do that because I really enjoy talking to people. But also, on a purely selfish end, I wanted to talk to her about photographic competition. She had just had an article published in PPA magazine. She probably doesn't even know any of this stuff. So if she ever listens to this, she'll be like, oh, my God, I, I played an impact on someone's life. I never told her this. It's kind of cool. So she really changed my world. She gave me a lot of tips, and, and I knew that she was a juror. I'm not playing the seed that I would like to do that as well. Like, so slowly but surely, um, I started looking and thinking, I- I'd like to give back because this education is coming to me, and I'm taking advantage of it, and I'd like to share it with other people going forward because I believe that a whole adage that a, a rising ship raises all boats. Mm-hmm. So I really wanted to, to help and pass on the knowledge I had learned. Not that I created. I didn't create it. I just learned it. Right. So I want to pick out point number one is when we serve, we get to hang out with and have great conversations with people, many of them that are farther along. So we get special little opportunities. So would you say that's one it's totally one. And, and it, it's really, it's a very specific amount of time. And it's just usually one-on-one. Yes. And so I started bringing speakers up any chance I could because I thought it was a great way to just get to know people. And to it wasn't, I wasn't trying to further my speaking career or further my career so much as I wanted to. I knew that if you wanted to be successful, you need to be talking to people who are successful. Right. Not lamenting how bad things are with all your friends. You need to go find someone who's successful and can do what they do and, and kind of speak like they speak and you know, the whole address how they dress. So that was a a whole thing for me. And that's how that's how I started my service at, at New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. You know, once I became involved, I really liked people that were there and, and moved up through the chairs of New Hampshire and it wasn't uh, too long. I think I was uh, either the president of New Hampshire or, or just past president. And Audrey Winkett came to New Hampshire to speak, and Who? she pulled me aside and said, "Audrey Winkett, the current PBA president." Okay. Mm-hmm. And she saw something in me that she thought would would be ideal. And over the course, I had been I, I was on the committee that founded the EDU, the EDU programming for PBA. Mm-hmm. So I was on that committee for three years, and then talked to Audrey, met Audrey, and she convinced me that I should run for the board. Yeah. So I'm trying to pick this apart, Jeff. So then number two was getting on committees or what was it that you I was involved in the state. I got involved in the state level before I got involved nationally. Right. So then serving put you in the eye of the next level because you were in the state level. Yeah. So you get to attract attention because you're in the public eye because you're serving. Yeah, but the, the, the takeaway for that, Lucy, sorry, I, I keep interrupting you. I'm so sorry. The big takeaway for that, though, was that my what I learned there was that although in my studio, I run the business with my wife and we make decisions together, at an association level, the 12 of us need to make decisions together, mm-hmm. right? Like, so I had no experience hashing things out with people. 
I was so used to in my as an entrepreneur was a entrepreneur. I had to figure things out immediately and just uh, do them. At the state level, you have a great idea, and you also have to convince your board of it. And then, typically, you're the one who's fallen told to do it. Yeah. You know, okay. Like, okay, that, that's a great idea. Jeff. Now go with it. You know, and you're like, wait a minute, that was just my idea. So those are the skills that I wouldn't, I never would have seen. Yeah. Any other way. So number three, I'm trying to like boil this down. Number three yeah. is you grow as a leader, which naturally means you'll be better in your business. Absolutely. A leader and also, but part of a team. I want to go back a little to my experience. I've been up to president and then chairman of the board locally. And when I was print chair, being behind the scenes, you learn so much because you get to see all the prints up close and personal. And I'm sure you'd agree with that. Totally. Serving as a judge, I started serving before I had, I think maybe I had, I don't know, a handful of merits. And they, we used to have like apprentice judges. And being in the hot seat, in the front row, having to justify, grew me as a photographer and also helped me be able to communicate better quickly. And then I loved when I was in charge of getting speakers. And one of the, that's like the best job, by the way, don't tell anybody <laughs> because you get, to, you get to pick whoever you want to show up and give workshops. And in, in my group, it's for a year or two, depending on the rotation. So you get to grow in the directions that excite you. So that's awesome. And then as president, it seemed like my star rose professionally at that point locally. And just being able to say, and at the time, I think I was still doing weddings when they were, someone was looking for a photographer, being able to say, I'm president of the professional photographers of San Diego County. Man, that's a game changer for people seeing you as professional. I totally agree. You know, not to mention the lifetime friends and giving service and, you know, doing budgeting and, and a lot of those kind of things. But yeah, just to break down my experience, I hadn't thought about quite how then with you then working in the state gave you that opportunity to get on the national level, which is a whole new level of of growth and people that you meet, right? And things you learn and yes, am I on track with that? Absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm thinking as you're, as you're saying this, I'm kind of thinking back at how we met Scott Kirkian, which he taught some classes for us uh, from both Carol and I in Austin and I think again in San Antonio where we took what was the uh, business modules that they were called then. And that's how we met Scott and Scott was very happy to see our business growing. And that's kind of how we got in the eye of him and he helped our business immensely got us the, the CFO and COO of PPA uh, 26 or 27 years now he's been helping photographers and so like that's kind of how I, I even understood anything about moving forward what PPA was beyond you know a convention right and that's kind of how that was started getting interested in, in finding out about how what happens after what's the next step you know mm -hmm. after serving at your state level and I think back at all the different you know, when I go to imaging, I always tell my state friends, I'm like, don't hang out with your state friends. You're, yeah, of course, take pictures with them and 
and have a drink or a dinner with them if you want, but go meet other people outside of your state because this is your only time to do that. You can have lots of interactions with your friends in your state, and that's not knocking anyone in the state, of course. It's just that there's no chance. I mean, I remember very well you and I sat uh, at, uh, in San Antonio a couple of years back at a table, probably eating nachos or some sort of, uh, you know, various food. We sat for about an hour together. Yes. I can't do that this week with you. So the, the geography and distance makes it impossible. So I specifically don't try to reach out to all my local friends because I want to, I can see them any time of the year. Right. And I can get their perspective, but I can't sit with you and chat any time of the year. It's imaging. That's when right. we can get together. Yes. My first um, night this year in Nashville, because California, we were up late because we the time zone different. So there was yeah. a group of people at the bar hanging out after dinner, and it was the California people. And I sat with them for a minute. And then I saw that the next level up at the bar, the Oregon people and Brian Walsh, particularly, I've always wanted to spend more time and get to know him, were up at that next level. So I ditched <laughs> like California people. And that conversation changed my life because really that's fantastic. I I used to speak a lot more, Jeff, of course, to get my master and my craftsman. I did a program many, many times, particularly on photographing children that that's one of my, you know, like I'm ever kid's Aunt Lucy. So I love sharing stages of childhood and how to prepare for sessions and photographing. And then in working and growing my business, I'm a solopreneur and a have mostly been single all my life. So I pulled back from from speaking because keeping my business going and making a living seemed like about as much as I was up for at the time. And there's a lot of traveling and a lot of time involved in giving. And I asked Brian, because he speaks quite a bit during like a season. And I said, oh my gosh, you know, why do you do that much? Because I have been wanting to get back out and, and speaking, you know, beyond, I love having the mic and getting to be, I've got slippers on right now. (laughs) And he reminded me of how the camaraderie, getting to share one-on-one with people that they kind of spoil you when you're the visiting teacher. And I just was like, oh, that's right. It is time again you know, I'd kind of put it out there a little bit, but now I'm like all in. I'm ready to get back out there and share. So P.S., if any of the listeners know any great speaking opportunities in or out of the, you know, PPA affiliates, just let me know. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I'd be lucky to have you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, 20 some years, I've been missing out on some of those things that you've gotten to to enjoy on different you know different affiliates and different experiences so yeah so yeah that was back to the point of when we're at any conference don't just sit and hang out with the same people that you already know branch out it's hard i mean it really is we joke at, at the board level that we try not to gather together too much but when we walk into a reception let's say it's a uh, of the reception of Imaging USA, we actually know very few people. That's what we do. Like that's a, that's our comfort zone. We tend to 
to kind of clump together with the folks we know and it's the easy way out, especially if you have any social anxiety or any issues that, that are, or that you're feeling right then, like uh, insecurities. And so you tend to like kind of stick together with those folks and even seasoned professionals need to stop and go, okay, I need to go up to a table and just say hello to people, mm-hmm. you know, because, and the thing is that I remember speaking this uh, week to a new member and I went up and introduced myself and, and I saw the next day and I remembered his name and I said, Hey, how are you doing? And he was just blown away that the night before a very quick conversation, he remembered his name. But the truth is, is that that meant the world to him. And I don't mean that again, I'm not being like patting myself on the back. No. It's, that's the sort of thing that that shows up in your photography. I don't mean necessarily the exposures. I mean, the ability to walk up to someone and make uh, sincere, genuine connections is such a big deal. And uh, and I, I feel for the folks who don't have that natural either desire or ability because they have to develop it. You know, it's just like I have to develop a, I'm the incoming treasurer of PPA and I don't have a natural ability to read Excel data sheets, right? Mm-hmm. But I have to learn it. I have to learn it. I've got, to, I've got to master it over the next couple of weeks because I can step in March 1st and I'll be the treasurer and I need to know that skill. And that's exactly all it is, is a, a missing skill set in my life. Yeah. So number four is it grows us. So taking the the piece about being in an environment where you have the opportunity to meet new people and learn how to break the ice and learn how to have meaningful conversation helps those of us who are portrait photographers, wedding photographers, headshot, pet. Anyway, in, in this whole genre, it helps us learn how to be more comfortable meeting new people and how to put them at ease. I loved the the keynote that was about, oh my gosh, can't even remember the name of her book. And she was so Vanessa Edwards is the, uh, You yes. Are Contagious. That was the name of her program, but that's, she drew from some of that, yes. that TED oh. Talk, You Are Contagious, being uh, charismatic. Right. And that charisma is a combination of warmth and competence. Yeah, make a perfect balance. Yes. So from what I'm hearing you say, and I totally agree, is you get to practice in a very safe environment because I think you attract what you see or believe. So I believe photographers are very giving, generous, friendly people. And so in an environment where it's it's kind of like family, if you don't know anybody, we get to practice and we have a core conversation starter about photography or about, you know, something about the event. So would you agree that that's a point number four is, or I think that's what you're, you were suggesting is that we get to be more comfortable Uh, with people. And so then it makes it easier to book clients, talk to clients, get expression, learn to sell, make them feel comfortable, all that stuff. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Totally. Because if we just rely on, I, that's at least true for me. If I just relied on my interactions with my clients, that's the only thing I'd have. I mean, honestly, one of the best things that can ever come out of a, any sort of volunteerism is adversity. Mm. You know, you, you've got something and, and having a group of people, I mean, I love, it's kind of crazy, but at a board level, you would think that someone, I have a pretty strong personality. You would think all I want to hear is what I want to hear. 
But the truth is it's not like, I know that I may have an idea about something, but the idea always gets better when someone challenges you and says, well, have you thought of it like this? And then you guys work together to make it better. And so maybe the core of your idea makes it into the system, if you will. Right. But watching other people take ownership with it and give suggestions, and now it becomes our idea, you know, not my idea. And that's always, in my opinion, far more successful and far more valuable. And so I wouldn't know that if it was, if, if I hadn't been involved, I wouldn't know that there is collaboration with other people because in my world, my wife and I run the business and all decisions are based by, you know, the whim of two people with limited knowledge on most subjects. So if I could make that a number five, I would say we that... We could go up to 10 or 20 if you want. But we could. <laughs> so I'll summarize this from my experience is what I discovered is that I am an idea person and that there are other people who are stronger as doers, other people who are strong as planners. And many times, both locally and then if you're on your local, you go to state board meetings three times a year or affiliate meetings. And I always had lots of ideas. And it was interesting to see other affiliates taking my ideas and making them work. Or, you know, I'm not the one that's going to I mean, if I need to, I do, but I'm not in general the one that's going to actually do the step by step by step. And other people are happy to do that. So I would say number five is we get to learn our strengths. And in areas that we might be a little weak in, we get to grow into those as well. Does that sound like a good number five? Yeah. Yeah. You know, when, so when I ended the board of directors four or five years ago, I knew nothing about the idea of process or, 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 you know, process management or the idea of a document fault or any of these things. They were completely foreign concepts to me. And through uh, Gregory Daniel spent a fair amount of time teaching this dope about it. And I learned and I learned and I learned and I've, I've developed, a, I don't want to call it a love, but an appreciation for the way things work and the way they should work and how it, like the process and understanding how council works and, the bylaws and council policy and the authority that's all granted and all those things that go with it, I would not have even ever come to understand that and have, would have no chance in my life to really learn parliamentary procedure right. or the line of logic as it relates to project management ever. I, I just, I would never have had that. And so, and I'm not an expert on it by any means, uh, you know, I'm not Greg, but I've learned a lot from Greg. And so I'm grateful for so many pieces of, of individual education like that. Right. For me, the the Roberts rules of order were pressed upon us, you know, when I was serving on the board and, you know, what's the word? Not an objection not, and not a proposal. What's the word when you're, and you need two people to motion. Yes. Making a motion and two people to second it. And that whole process and I don't know as our locals are using that anymore. And I just saw how effective it was. So it sounds like there's, you know, each level has higher and higher effectiveness systems in organizations. So number six is you learn how to, what would you say? The higher levels of kind of what's common knowledge in industries or businesses or groups that, just, you know, oh, little old us with a camera saying, I'm going to start a business. Well, How would we learn? 
like it may not answer your question, but the, one of the differences between say TPA, the board of directors of BPA, and say the the board of New Hampshire Professional Photographers. So these are just two boards I've been on. You know, I'm not picking on or lifting up either one. I'm just saying there's a difference. And one of the differences is that TPA has decided years ago. Boards decided we need to be doing something bigger than committee work. And mm. it's not that committee work isn't beneficial. It's that we're flying people in from all over the country to to attend a board meeting, and and these are the 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 minds that council has elected to be their representatives in those seats. So we we have committees to do work involving the committees. This is visioning. Right. The board of directors is, is in and of itself visioning. And uh, I was told by told to me this week. We don't think about what's going to happen for PPA in 2021. The board is thinking about what where PPA is going to be in 2121. Mm. That, that's our goal is to be thinking way ahead and to try to turn these the boat and shift and try to hit things that we see maybe coming down the road in the future so we spend most of our time you know really visioning and working things through and that's a big difference in boards today because the local affiliates one they're struggling because people are there's less people who have been members and they are they're stuck with the day-to-day operations and the vision Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a, it's a funny thing. Every time I speak to an affiliate, I remind them, like, guys, you pay whatever your month, your yearly fee is to be a member of this association, and you call them dues. And the word dues is such a negative commentary to me initially. Uh, I know it means something, but it, it's like a due to the association. I, I beg people to really look at their associations more as, a, as an effort to share, share funds to bring in better education. Mm. You know, this is like a... Like we're all we're all pitching in, so that you it's don't have like to hire me. To, yeah, we're, you don't have to hire me to come in and speak and pay my rate and my airfare and have you shoulder all those burdens. Right. But if if uh, two hundred of us chip in, we can afford a lot of stuff for all of us if we we're stronger together than we are individually. Right. And so I, I beg associations to start thinking of, or the members of the associations to start thinking that they are in fact pooling their resources. It's not dues. You guys are pooling your resources to help the industry as a whole. Yeah, I love that. So back to the, I usually have quotes come in my head and sometimes they're from the Bible because my dad was a pastor. So I don't know if this is Bible or not, <laughs> but but the word without a vision, the people perish. And so I love that you use that word vision because it's true. Without a vision in our businesses, like so many times when I do what I call a strategy call with a someone that may or may not decide I'm their dream date as a coach, like my first question is about the vision and the detail. And we put that together together. And a lot of times they've never specifically thought about even where they want to be a year from now, what they, you know, what they want to be doing, what the income, the location, the kind of photography. So I guess point number seven is it helps you learn about the importance of having a vision and not just a, I got to get more clients or I got to do some editing, yeah. but where are you going? And I believe there's some force that when we get a clear picture of anything, there's like a team that goes to work, kind of like I'm thinking about the Oompa Loompas in the chocolate factory <laughs> in the move. But there's Don't these, make me sing it. 
you know? Okay. Well, I, I so want to. Yeah, I'm, um, not, I'm not going to do it. Okay. I'm not going to do it. Can't do it. It's like a team of whatever goes out and starts finding ways to support that vision behind the scenes. When we, you know, our heart and our head line up with a clear picture and we say yes. So I, I love that that is another, like, there must have been some really good visioning given where uh, what's happening with PPA today. So, yeah, I love that. Yeah, and I want to be clear, it's not my vision. It's no, the no, no. Vision. It's the will of the board. Yeah. That's the will of boards behind me, right, like that have done this. So this is, I'm just blessed to be involved now and uh, at an amazing time in PPA's career. It's, it's, it has nothing to do with me. I'm just here to serve it. Uh, the board is way bigger than any of any single member, so um, I'm just happy to be a part of it. I, I went right back around full circle at the beginning of the conversation, I said, or early on, I said, talk about uh, the time I brought Sarah Johnson Johnson uh, into judge, and I, I drove her from the airport to the convention, and she told I was talking to her about essentially about vision, except I didn't know it was called vision then, and she was talking about a roadmap, and she said, you know, if you don't know what road you're on, any road will do. Mm-hmm. And I kind of saw that as two different ways. Like this is a conversation I had when I was brand new in the industry, brand new to New Hampshire, PPA that is. And um, here I am, I'm meeting with this uh, experienced judge. And I saw that two ways was, you know, you got to get going and do something. If you don't know what road you're on, you just get out the door and go somewhere. Like it's easier to change direction when you're moving, when you're standing still. Right. And then I also saw that in a different way, which was find your direction, you know, because if you don't if you don't know what road you're on, you'll take any road and you'll end up wherever you go. Like if you don't if you don't like pick a road. So I saw that as two different ways, which were both things that like, okay, keep moving and start having clear vision. And all these years later, you know, I'm tying it together in my head from all this conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, right around to where we are today from where I was in two thousand and four. Right. Kind of cool. And the visions keep unfolding and getting new uh, new pictures. And I love what you said about it's easy and you're in motion. I often have said, it's like, get your boat in the river and think, right. I'm going to head down to Louisiana. I'm getting my boat in the Mississippi, right? Wait, does the Mississippi go to Louisiana? I'm on the West coast. Yes. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it does. And it there does. might be a tributary, Louisiana. but there's something that, either our own awareness or I don't know what it is, but when we get in motion, it's so much easier for the forces in us and outside of us to direct us to where our right place is. Even if we picked what wasn't right for us, you know, we're in the flow, but we're just sitting in a chair thinking about it. You know, it's very hard to actually end up like I, I thought I was, even though I was passionate about photography when I found myself unemployed and I considered it as a business, but I was also really into health at the time and nutrition. So I thought I'm going to be a holistic health practitioner. And at the interview with the school, she said, well, we'd love to have you here, but you want to be a photographer. So if I hadn't taken the action to go to that school to interview to be a student, I wouldn't have heard what was the bottom line truth for me. 
because she heard my passion when I talked about it. So get out there and going, you guys. Yes. And a funny thing that I went to a goal setting day uh, with one of my mentor coaches thought that my goal was to grow my photography business bigger. And this was maybe five years ago. You know, I was like, okay, I'm going to get a better team, you know, even better at getting a steady flow of clients because like you, I've got the sales part nailed and the photography and, you know, it's always that challenge. And at the end of the workshop, I was not on fire for that idea. And when she started asking me a few uh, specific questions about what else might be calling you, it was teaching and serving and coaching. And so again, I was in motion doing something that I thought was going to have a certain outcome. And then I found my chapter three in life, which is, you know, to help other people have the kind of career success that I've enjoyed and you've enjoyed. And then eventually podcasts came into my stream and that's super fun because I get to have conversations like this that I just, I love. So yeah, so that's the get in motion. Kind of cool stuff. Yeah. Well, I think we're almost about to wrap up. So two things. How do people get in touch with you? All right. So there's a couple of ways you can do it. They can uh, they can find me my email address, which is Jeff at thechowskiphotography.com. I know it's a terrible last name, but it's a great name because you'll never you you won't forget it, but it'll be hard to say. It's Dachowski, D A C H. O-W-F-K. So it's Jeff at thechowskiphotography.com, or you can find me at thejam.biz, uh, which is a site Merrick's Taylor and I use, like yourself, to help photographers who find their way to you uh, in a collective way. And then you can also find my work at thechowskiphotography.com. Again, same last name, thechowskiphotography.com. And um, I will put in a, a shameless plug for I've got a couple seats left for my Tuscany trip. It's not a workshop. It's a adventure in which we take people out and photograph uh, every morning and then go explore hilltop towns it's just a great week and we were staying in the same place for the whole week when is that jeff that's uh may 15th through the 22nd okay of uh, 2020 if you're listening to this a year from now he probably still we'll have another one next may yeah so where do you stay in tuscany so we stay in a, a town called ashano uh-huh. which is about 25 miles southeast of Siena. So we, we, we go to Siena and San Gimignano and Chiquitera and Florence and Assisi and Bagnareggio and Orvieto. And we just spend day, we go to the Abbey of San Gogano, which is this amazing church in the middle of a field that the roof fell off 500 years ago. It's just a, a stone structure in the middle of nowhere. It's just amazing. Nice. Have you been to Montepulciano? We do. That's we usually go to that that town on the day uh, we go to San Gogano, uh-huh. and uh, that's an interesting town because it's a it's a uphills. It feels like it's uphill both ways. It does. <laughs> you know, it's not really, but it's a it's a, steep, it's a it's a it's a steep climb. You know, like you get out of the van and you jump out, and you're like, "Hey, everyone, let's go get some dinner." And you're like, "Oh my god!" You know, so how many more steps up can this be? And then you keep looking. It just keeps going forever. You know, basically the city ends in the clouds. You know, it's more what it feels like. Yes. And uh, it's always a rewarding meal at the end of that walk. Yes. And Mato Pociano. Yes. I love it there. I did a cooking class. 
I was actually supposed to be doing two weeks with Elizabeth Opalenic. Ooh, I should have her on the podcast. Yes. <laughs> and it was over 9-11. So everything changed. So three weeks later, I I went to a cooking school in Tuscany. And so, yeah, sign up, people. <laughs> yeah, All right. You should join us. I know you, you travel a lot, actually. You travel maybe, maybe more than I do. I, I'm not actually sure, but I know you travel at any minute. Um, in fact, the funny story was to your listeners, I was at the uh, the vessel in New York a couple of weeks ago, coming down a couple steps, and I'm like, "Oh my God, is that Lucy?" You know, and I'm like, "It's totally <laughs> reasonable that it would be, that it would have been you." So I immediately pulled up your Facebook. And I'm like, "Nope, she posted from San Diego a couple hours ago. No, <laughs> she's that's not her." But like, you know, because you post, you, you travel a lot with your clients, and it totally would have absolutely not, you know, I wouldn't have thought it was crazy one bit if um, I saw you at the vessel. You know, in New York City. <laughs> yes, and I have run into people in that coincidental way. I'm always, because I love to get educated. And so here's a little tip on how you can travel a lot and make it a deduction, not just by taking photography. But I'll go to a conference somewhere and either stay longer there, or like last year at this time, I went to New Orleans for four days before the PPA convention. and. One time I I went to Florida for a conference, actually the podcasting conference, and then spent four days on the beach. So my, my parents would go to these church conventions, and then they'd go hang out for a while. They didn't take us. That was not fair. <laughs> but I learned not to just fly in, do the thing, fly home, but to make a rich experience. So, yes. I agree. Okay, so before we sign off, I want to remind you to stay tuned for the wrap-up. And I'd love to hear if you're finding that valuable. And Jeff, I'd like to know, is there one more something that you really, really want to share with the listeners? Well, I'm passionate, surprisingly enough, about sales. And I don't mean sales like it's in, you know, it's $5 off this week at Best Buy. I mean, sales are what drive our business. And, and they're actually, they're really people who have a struggle with sales are frequently you can see them struggling with other things in their world. A lot of times it's based around fear or whether they're good or not. So I beg you out there, who the folks who are listening, to spend a little bit of time getting good at sales. And I don't mean just selling stuff. I mean, selling your opinion. One of my favorite books to help me with selling is a book called Seller Be Sold. It's a little bit old school, but it's a bunch of a really solid examples of how to get your point across and sell your point, which then helps you to sell your, your business. In the end, is that we have to make money what we're doing or it's called a hobby. So I want you guys out there to get good at selling so you can continue to do and find your why and allow your why to change every year from initially starting about, I need to make money to I'm making money now. How can I help other people? Or how can I let my a craft going, how can my legacy be around for years to come? And that happens through good sales. Right. Well, and I love that thought that as, and I'm sure of the people that you've supported, and I've seen this over and over again, that as people become better salespeople, they become more confident in other areas of their life. And, or as I help them become more confident and stick up for themselves and say no and be comfortable hearing no, you know, where they're more comfortable in that role, then they're better at sales. So it's, it's like a, 
not a teeter-totter, but there used to be that little hand game where the monkey climbed to the top of the ladder. <laughs> what I'm talking about. Yeah. And it's you shake like, it down. Yeah. It's like you do one part and then you're stronger. So then you do the next part, you know, so you learn to sell more. So you're more confident. So then you're more confident. So you uh, set some boundaries more. then makes yeah. you sell more, which then makes you more comfortable with expanding your dream and sticking up for yourself and taking risk and managing your fear. And, you know, that I've said this a lot on my show, I believe is that to me, being an entrepreneur is the best personal growth activity I can imagine because all of our needs to improve. I'm thinking about old, old fashioned uh, report cards, all those need to areas are going to hold us back or they're going to be right in our face and we get a chance to grow so that we become more of who we were born to be, more of our best self. Very cool. Yeah. So thank you for sharing your best self with us, Jeff, or at least my pleasure. part of your best self. <laughs> so as I said, stay tuned, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. This was just amazing. It was my pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. I'll see you soon on Facebook. See you soon. Wow. That was amazing. And so much good stuff. I had to listen to the whole recording to see if I could summarize just a part of what we covered. Number one, of course, because he and I both love the Professional Photographers of America. We talked a lot about the value of participating and the value of conventions. There's other great areas to participate also, not just PPA, but you know, this was a pretty good commercial <laughs> for that. And we talked about how attending conventions and participating as a volunteer in this organization has grown him. And I've been a part of a women's photography group in San Diego for over 30 years, and it has grown me as well by being in the leadership. So I'm going to go through the list of the why you want to get involved and say yes to being on committees, being on boards, teaching, serving in whatever capacity feels right to you. So number one, you grow as a leader. And to me, being a photographer in business means I need to be a great leader. So it grows those skills that pay off in our businesses. Number two, we get to hang out with successful people, often one-on-one, -on -one, and get to learn directly from them. So like when he was coordinator of speakers for an organization, he got to go to the airport, pick up the speaker, have lunch with them, dinner. And just like I have the privilege of having great conversations on this podcast, being the person that gets to pick speakers and then go get them is <laughs> really valuable. Number three, you get to make great friends that are also givers. So yeah, that's huge. I'm not sure if this came up, but the truth is one great conversation with somebody who's a little farther ahead of you, or even someone where you're on the same 
page can change everything. For example, I was at lunch, you know, in an event and some mutual friends said, you know, somebody mentioned the idea of selling albums for portraits. I wonder if that would work. And I took that idea with me, started selling albums, probably increased my income by 25% just from that one conversation. Let's see. You also learn how to work in a team. If you're on a board, if you're volunteering for a committee or to be a greeter or whatever, you get to learn how to be not the lone ranger, but how teamwork works. That is so that's probably one of the hardest things as an independent solopreneur is creating that teamwork. So that benefits our businesses. Number four, there's new opportunities to become visible. And visibility is everything in growing a business. Number five, it looks great on your resume. Uh, Forever, I get to say I was past president of the Professional Photographers of San Diego County, as well as other things. And that kind of tells the world I'm legit. (laughs) Another one is that our strengths get stronger and our weaknesses, we have a chance to grow them when we're doing service. Six, you get more comfortable being in front of people, talking to people, speaking on the mic. I have seen people in my local chapter who are introverts who would never want to actually stand up in front of people using a mic by the end of their year having a powerful voice. So that's about it for now. And I, again, I want to encourage you to go to lucydumascoaching.com and check out my online course and I would love for you to buy it. Um, If you check your email, if you're in my email, there's a little bonus for signing up in March. So that's it for now. Bye-bye. You have been listening to The Highly Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share. To connect one-on-one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.